So, Jesse, big day in uh, in Perth today in Western Australia. Anthony Albanese is in town. You're planning to catch up with Albo today? Albo's back. Um, not if he's planning on heading to any of the Woodside offices. I'm barred by um, by court order from being within 100 metres of any of them. Um, I don't know, you got pretty close to him last time he was over here. Indeed. Down the park. Yeah, yeah, I managed to uh, wave my hastily put together cardboard placard behind him. I mean, you, you pretty much chased him out of town, didn't you, from, from what I heard and saw on Channel 7? Not everyone is on board the Albo Express. We're just going to have to go in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Prime Minister's security team and WA police were right on to a handful of protesters who oppose the development of new gas fields and want Julian Assange returned to Australia. I mean, basically, yeah, he was pretty pretty quickly back in the in the car back in for the, sure. Back, back in the limo, back to the lodge. It was yeah. a, a Labor um, Party faithful event straight after the election and I think I was very unpopular because I'd ruined their chance to line up and uh, shake the hands of the hero and a bunch of uh, free Assange protesters as well. Oh, well, good on him. Yeah, I think that the Palestine crew were trying to get down to Jundana yesterday where word was Abbo was going to be heading straight up to touchdown. But I saw instead he was in Hyde Park um, doing some pretty traditional grip and grin by the look of it um, and also seemingly scrawling um, a guarantee not to touch our precious GST in the arm of the Chief of Staff for the West Australian, also formerly Chief of Staff Patrick Gorman, Labor MP for Perth until quite recently. Well, that's a sacred bond, right? There's no going <laughs> back now. That's uh... and, 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 also, and also I believe a, um, a fellow wedding guest of yours some, some time ago. Dylan and I once sat together at a wedding. That's right. It was yeah. a, Well, it wasn't actually a wedding. It was a, uh, a couple who had eloped and the parents oh, were very oh, yeah. upset that they'd eloped and so they organised uh, another wedding. And it was oh, it was very awkward. How was that? It was very yeah. awkward. <laughs> sounds awful. It was incredibly awkward. Sounds, I don't know if sounds, we should that, really be airing this publicly, as, but uh. <laughs> sounds, sounds about as friendly as the last time I spoke to Dylan. I called up the um, called up the West and got Dylan on the phone, and he, um, when I said as I said who I was, he he sounded incredibly uh, put out to hear from me. Oh, so, <laughs> sure, he was um, he was on better form at the um, at the second the second wedding, the second new feels for your friends. <laughs> yeah, they love to bite the hand that feeds, don't they, in the West Australian? Anyway. Oh, I don't even, don't even know if they, they know which hand they're biting and which hand's feeding them from one day to the next most of the time. I reckon you should get a tat and uh, get a signature on the tat. I'd be happy to sign your arm if you like. If you're going to take it seriously and if we're going to have uh, a, a stunt, let's do a good one. Let's go to a tattoo parlour. We can get it tattooed on or, or we can, if you like, uh, I can do it by texter, whatever you would like. I've got pens. Here you go. Here you go. Give us your arm. I don't know what is in town for. There's a community cabinet this evening, I believe, and then I think actually I did say that there's also a snap rally for um for the live export crew after the cattle have been left on the ship out off off, off the coast off Frio for the last few weeks in what has been uh, pretty fucking unseasonable heat. So I can imagine that um those livestock have been. Uh, yeah, having a very, very horrific time. So good to see that someone's making some noise about that, reminding him of one of those promises. Yeah, so I think this might be the third of these um, cabinet meetings that they've done in Western Australia. The last mm. one was in the Pilbara and I also made my way there, amazingly this time with a press pass. I don't know how mm. how I managed how to that? do that. Oh, look, it how was fine. It, it was, uh, you know, standing around with all the journos that had flown in from Canberra and from Perth and kind of uh, mm. McGowan was there. It was, it was immediately after the Harry Styles concert. There was a lot of... Uh, Kind of banter between the journos and McGowan about their, how they enjoyed Harry Styles. Oh, well, I found all, it all a bit all be, sickening, to be honest. But yeah, all be all be Taylor Swift lyrics this week. I'm sure. No based doubt. Off, 
last week's coverage in the West and everywhere else. I think my sister went on Friday at the MCG, so I should um, pump her for the for the for the riffs. Yes, for, um, for any chance encounters with the PM this week. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Albo's made a big deal about coming to WA and making that something that he's very visibly doing and getting out and pressing the flesh. Um, so. Yeah, why is he doing that, Jesse? Why is Albo so keen on being seen in the West? My recall is that before the 2022 election, he promised he would come to WA five times with his cabinet before the next election. I think part of it's kind of hedging against Peter Dutton, who has, you know, done a number at various times out in Alice Springs and also he was in the goldfields late last year, kind of just before the voice referendum, doing a bit of a swing up through Leonora. Kalgoorlie and Coolgardie, I recall. So I think it's kind of sort of keeping a bit of a firewall up against the libs at a federal level. Um, obviously, WA is what gave Albo the keys to the lodge two years ago. He won, you know, that there was a one-seat majority for Labor and WA supplied five additional seats to get him over the line. Um, and I think they perceive that there's every chance that, um, you know, that it'll slip away in the other direction again next time. So I guess turning up here is a chance to kind of um, show his face and, you know, pay his respects and obviously, as we've said, sign his life away on the arm of the Chief of Staff for the um, for the local paper. I think probably the West is the big reason that Albo keeps coming back. They had a big um, blank check on the front page today. We, we've You and I have seen one or two of those in our time as well with um, with various other causes, but this one was a guarantee not, not to touch WA's precious GST and then a page two editorial explaining why they've been a bit cheeky this morning mm. um, with their political gimmicks. But I think... Um, they're not joking. <laughs> yes. We had to go to fucking Perth before coming here. They don't put us from in there. Get fucked, mate. They don't do shit. They don't have emotional bonds. Fucking Perth. Perth. Here's a song. They're just thinking about the band Creed. That's all they're doing. <laughs> what? So this is the last place on Earth podcast where we share with you the view from out west. Uh, my name is... Jared Mazza, and uh, what's your name? Jesse Noakes. That's phoning in from Frio, where it's fucking hot. It's forty three again for the um, second day of the trot and the sixth day this year. Yeah, it is the hottest February ever in Western Australia. Forty nine degrees in uh, in, and I believe that WA's got the hottest February anywhere in the world. I think well, we are currently the top eight. Hottest temperatures of 2024 have all been recorded in Western Australia. It was 49.9 degrees in Carnarvon mm. yesterday, if you believe the bomb, which I don't as a general rule, but um, that's what the numbers say. And 49 in um, Geraldton, which is insane to think that it can Fuck. be that hot in Geraldton. That's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, oh, Jesus Christ, that's horrendous. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of, it's, it's really hot. It's been really hot for ages. You'd think there would be more commentary and connection being drawn with the, you know, elephant in the room, if that's what it is, whatever, the, the kind of the ongoing climate crisis and the way that WA is a key driver of that, at least from an Australian perspective. Um, but from what I've seen, there's not, apart from the odd tweet from sort of, you know, the usual um, green activists on Twitter, there's not much not much talk of the kind of the reason that WA is the hottest place on the world and also the, the you know, 
the last place in the world to do anything about it. Yeah, it's all it's definitely all bikinis and ice creams on the uh, mm. Perth now banner photos and fires. Some some true great some great fire shots from next to um Karen up golf course where my grandma was a former president. Um, done a few done a few rounds on the back nine there in my in my teenage years. Well, I, um, hope, the, I hope the honour board survived. I mean, you know. I don't think I was ever threatening no, the honour no, board. No, your, your, your grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, don't know if she was either. She, um, Yeah, she couldn't really move her hips for <laughs> most of the time that I knew her. <laughs> she'd, she'd get around. Um, good um, good sandwiches in the, um, in the lunch bar afterwards, as I recall. So this is what's under threat from the climate crisis. These are the things that we must protect, right? Well, also, there were always heaps of roos on the golf course, I remember. You don't actually get too many roos in suburban Perth, but Karen mm. up country clubs seem to collect a fair number of them. So I don't know. I, I don't actually think it got onto the golf club and from what I saw it didn't kind of seem to last too long. I think it was about two hours of firefighting, the paper was saying. But um, the flames were like sky high, mm. very specky. Yeah, certainly um, that was a great photo in the West with some someone on their lawn, someone in a car and mm, then these towering mm. flames behind them. Um, yeah. Quite a shocking, shocking image of the new normal. But as you say, no one's really uh, connecting the dots. I mean, obviously, the West Australian is not in their interest too, given that they're owned by interests that are attached to the gas industry, et cetera. Um, but, yeah, surely it's got to happen. Surely it's, it's, it's at some point those dots will connect themselves, one would think. Yeah, but, I mean, I think it's going to take something more than kind of hot days at the beach, I suppose, to kind of to really shift the dial over the line um, and... You know, another fire yesterday, um, doubtless, you know, came pretty close to threatening some properties, but no one that I know of was was hurt or injured in that. And I think until that starts happening on a regular basis in WA or at least, you know, across the country, we're kind of, we're unlikely to, to go back to where we were a few years back with thousands of people on the streets. Mm. Um, in fact, if anything, the heat at the moment kind of makes people less likely to, to get on out on the streets, I would have thought. I'm certainly guilty of that. Mm. Wasn't leaving the house yesterday mm. and don't tend to don't intend to leave the studio today. Um, but yeah, something must be done to make that picture a little bit clearer. And if the Guardian had anyone over here in WA reporting on the ground, possibly that would be a touch easier. They had it on top of their live blog this morning, but again just some kind of phoned in wire story from AAP. So I don't know. We need to think of some new ways to, to bring it into perspective, I guess. Mm. Well, I do think one thing this week that has kind of done it a little bit is uh, the Triple J Like Aversion by Angie McMahon that was uh, released on Friday, I believe. must say I kind of uh, aged out of the Triple J demo some time ago, I reckon, but uh, this one definitely caught my attention. Um, she rewrote that Australian crawl song, Reckless, and uh, some some climate crisis lines in there for sure. There's certainly been some um, geriatric millennials going off in various group chats I'm a part of over the past oh, couple of days. It's been, it's it's been everywhere. Been, it's been doing the rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been doing the rounds. Viral at least in our circles for sure. Yeah. Another natural disaster Fries the great bell
gratifying, I think, to have some of, um, I don't know, some of the stuff we've been pushing over the last couple of years making its way into these broader national audiences. Yeah, well, re- realistically, it's probably the only way that the kind of the Triple J demo on the East Coast, at least, is likely to hear about what Woodside are doing over here. Um, can't imagine they're, they're reading The Guardian or the certainly The Australian or The West too closely. So good to see. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much do you reckon it kind of hits home, how, how much sort of, um, you know, muscle memory is there for the odd line, you know, like a version. Do you think people are kind of remembering what the second verse consisted of or is it just sort of like a passing fancy that only really catches the attention of people like us? Oh, I mean, it's like all these things, right? It's hard to measure the impact of any one thing. I think it's more of like a testing of the general kind of cultural um, milieu or the kind of mm. mood like it's it's mm. it's like it's you know a lot of what we do has a similarity with advertising right it's like you repeat the slogan so I yeah. think that it's out there and I think that that's a good thing I mean yeah whether it has any instant material political impact or not probably doubtful um, but perhaps what's even more significant I think about this cover is that there's some lines in there about Palestine and mm. you know the chorus of the song can kind of definitely be read in the light of that and it seems like uh, Andrew McMahon's found just about the only way to get truth-telling about Palestine onto the ABC. Uh, we've seen in recent times that's pretty fraught. Yeah, the only other way that I've seen recently is um, the ABC reporting on itself being sued in the Fair Work Commission by one of its former journalists, which is must be a complicated editorial process Indeed. Um, in Ultima these days. <laughs> yeah, 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 but, yeah. I mean, they were, they were the only people I did see covering that yesterday, um, Antoinette Latouf. Um, in the in the you know the tribunal on Thursday or Friday, and the ABC had a big feature that was running kind of all day on the national news page, and no one else seemed to pick it up. So I guess as as with some matters that we've been engaged with in the criminal courts um, in recent times, occasionally the ABC feels kind of obliged to cover itself where no one else will, um, which you know is, is a different form of cucking oneself, I think. Um, but yeah, good to good to see it getting a run. Um, I mean. Yeah, nothing. Nothing's changed. Nothing's going away. I don't know. I mean, Rafa was all over my timeline um, mid last week, and it was. I was. I was briefly tuned into um, RM Brecky and the car back from the gym this morning um, against my will. <laughs> um, and there was uh, Simon Birmingham, the the, the, the opposition foreign foreign spokesperson, was on with um, Sally Sarah, and he was getting grilled about Rafa and the response there. So I mean, it is it is getting some. Some coverage, I suppose, but it certainly wasn't in the news headlines in the bulletin just beforehand. No. Um, no, I certainly and, heard a fair bit more about the BAFTAs and um, Oppenheimer yeah, yeah, yeah. than I did about yeah. about Rafa, yeah. Um, yeah, for real. When I, yeah, I had the ABC on in the car earlier before. I don't know why I do it to myself. But um, mm. the it, I'm curious to hear, Jesse, because I'm up in the Pilbara. Um, I'm not in Perth. I'm curious to kind of hear how the Palestine protests and stuff seem to be going down there. I mean, I know up here there was a Pilbara for Palestine meeting yesterday, which I couldn't attend, mm-hmm. but um, there's some small things planned up here, but I guess the main game's always in the city. Where are things at? I, th- I think there's really been a really impressive and encouraging diversity of um, of action taking place kind of across quite a wide range of cohorts. Like I can't claim to be in any way at the forefront of this. I've, I've turned up to as many rallies as, you know, as I have felt able to. I have to confess it's been a few weeks for me since the last one I was at. I've been away for the last for the last couple. Um, and there was been the odd blockade down at Frio Port um, trying to stop the unloading and reloading of ships linked to Israel, um, the Zim Line and associated 
you know, affiliates or whatever. Um, I did see a good one the other day outside Patrick Gorman's office or possibly – no, actually, you know what it was? It was it was in the park in Jundana yesterday. Mm. Albo didn't turn up, but Patrick Gorman, the um, po-faced member for Perth, was down there and was getting grilled by a bunch of mums with their bubs and their prams um, on the issue of Gaza and what's happening to thousands and thousands well, more than a million, in fact, Palestinian kids over there. So that was good to see. We're mums. We see the videos of children that have their legs blown off and are hung off gas pipes. And so I don't understand why we're talking about... Let's talk specifically about unrefunding. Right now, if the Australian government has perhaps completely withdrawn, maybe it's woefully... Paused. Paused. Paused, right? So we talk about how we respect human rights and the UN and we respect that as as a body. In the weeks that has happened since we paused our unrefunding, Gaza is starving. How does this not amount to collective punishment of those people for what may, at worst, be less than 1% of UNRWA's organisation, at worst? Help me understand, how is this not collective punishment? I think I've explained why. You haven't. No, I have explained why. You have explained that there's an investigation ongoing. In the meantime, 2.3 million people are on the verge of starvation. By the time that investigation is complete, they could be gone. There might be nothing left to say. I gather someone brought my attention yesterday to a pilgrimage, a walk from Hillary's Boat Harbour, I think, down to Fremantle, which is roughly the length of the Gaza Strip, which is happening this weekend. I believe a 55k walk that people are being encouraged to get in get in and get amongst. Um, I just saw over in Melbourne this morning a media release from some crew who are up on the roof of a factory building F-35s, which presumably might ultimately be used to, to drop some of those bombs on Gaza. So I think there's been a proliferation of movements and people. Obviously, there have been some people out with spray cans in recent months as well, tagging up the offices of the WA Labor Party, of the ABC, amongst others. Um so I think there's still heaps of energy. It might have slipped from sort of from the radio news headlines and most of the headlines um, as the months go on. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's kind of been a fairly um, irresolvable shift mm-hmm. in public sentiment and awareness mm-hmm. at this point. Like I think a pretty much whole generation's been radicalised. Basically, and I said this to you before the blockade we were down at a few weeks ago, nine thirty on a Friday night with a few hundred crew mostly kind of pretty young, down blocking the port, all kind of chanting in unison, intifada, intifada, long live the intifada. Like I wouldn't have seen myself doing that a few months ago mm. and um, I don't think there's any going back from that in certain ways. Yeah, um, I think it's certainly had a radicalising effect on a lot of people, you know, people I know as well um, and I think that this is probably going to be pretty pivotal perhaps in kind of a generational politics all mm. over the world. I mean one thing that I think has been really good to see is the um, – kind of diversity of tactics that we have been seeing like it felt a little bit for a while there like it was just walk around the block every week Mm. which you know Mm -hmm. is good but um wears a little bit thin after a while both for the media and for the people doing it so uh it's been great to see yeah the blockades the spray paint the kind of ambushing the politicians um this pilgrimage sounds really exciting too so um yeah i mean if if anything i would just that's sort of the, the only possible kind of drawback or point at which it's not kind of maybe had as much impact as it might is is with the mainstream media and that's that's no criticism of the organisers. I suspect that's just the sort of the media appetite and willingness to, to cover these things. Um, I mean, occasionally you'll get a Channel 7 camera down at a blockade or something, but certainly, I mean, the rallies, you know, lost the media a long time ago and even these kind of these new tactics emerging, I don't think have seen much in the way of mainstream media, but, you know, you see them all over socials on TikTok 
and Insta, et cetera, and given that it's part of a very profound worldwide movement, I think probably it doesn't matter too much whether the kind of the local paper's covering it or not, given that their slant and spin is going to be, you know, inevitably dismissive mm. anyway. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's not going anywhere. That's pretty clear. And I think, you know, it, there is a potential for kind of for a wider radicalisation as well beyond just the issue of, of what's happening in Gaza as, you know, as appalling as mm. it is and as intractable as it seems to be. But hopefully there's kind of the rage is maintained and kind of spills over elsewhere mm. as we as we go forward as well. Because mm. I think there's, you know, there's a few hundred crew who are clearly mobilised and clearly keen to do shit and clearly kind of not scared of the cops and it'd be cool to kind of, you know, keep that, keep that momentum surging forwards. Mm, for sure. So uh, let's let's come back to Mr. Albanese in Perth. He uh, he, as you said, he's been signing the arms of journalists, making vows. Mm. Um, yeah. I think the reason he's had to do that is because he's been exposed as an absolute fucking liar. Right? He's a yeah, massive yeah, fucking yeah. liar. Yeah, yeah. You can't trust a word the cunt says. <laughs> um, I don't know why he bothers opening his mouth because it's not worth the skin it's written on. <laughs> half, the, half the shit he comes out with. Um, yeah, I mean, the libs are going so fucking hard on this and, like, you get it, obviously. You know, credibility, integrity, kind of reputation is basically the only currency you've got as the Prime Minister, um, certainly when it comes to election season. At the same time, does anyone really fucking care about the stage three tax cuts? Like, yeah. is there anyone out there who's pulling a lever at the next election who's not going to think, if they think about it at all, that actually... I'm better off as a result, albeit by fuck all. Yeah, I think it's a little bit like me coming up to him being like, can't believe this guy, he fucking lied to me. He told me he was going to beat the shit out of me and then he didn't. What a fucking liar. Like, it's yeah. like, <laughs> it's not the most important thing about what's going on here. It's not the kind no, of, the key factor. No. Tr- truly, truly. But um, now he's got another fight in his hands because um, clearly he's signed. I mean, again, I just, the, fucking tweet that Dylan Capel or however you pronounce his surname put out this morning with the Prime Ministerial texter on his forearm at some, you know, press stop this morning after the West had slapped the you know, slapped this kind of this uh this guarantee they were seeking Albo's stamp on on the front page of the paper this morning. It's just such juvenile performance politics. It really kinda yeah blows your mind again and again. Um, but it's clearly a hot button issue and I think it is, you know, G- the GST is something that people genu- genuinely do seem to get exercised about and something that clearly both major parties feel could, you know, win or cost them a large number of seats mm-hmm. in WA and potentially elsewhere as well. I mean, I think it's pretty clear though that like it's not going anywhere, right? Like they're, they're so reliant on those seats and that support from mm-hmm. WA that I just can't see them. Well, and, and, to do and also it. it doesn't, the current deal doesn't run out till 2027 anyway. So yeah. why would you? Why would you ever consider doing anything before the next election? Yeah, I mean, I guess all, all you know, the West and similar, you know, the West and the Libs are trying to do at this point is probably try and kind of wedge and extract a slip such that kind of you know they they can run the same campaign as they did against the tax cuts in due course if they need to in three years' time. You know, the fucking the Incon Dylan's arm will presumably be tattooed into place. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, it's clearly it's you know they've clearly got no no room to move. On this one, I would say I do think it's interesting the sort of the divide it opens up, even in just kind of like a discursive way between between the media over here and the media 
in the rest of the country because the Australian's been running pretty hard over the weekend against the GST as it currently stands, um, which is to say, for what it's worth, for those who don't know, and I didn't until I reminded myself yesterday, the WA currently gets a minimum of 70, 70 cents in the dollar of all the GST revenue we generate, um, whereas without that guarantee, we would likely get far, far less because of all the money we make from resources projects to which the GST revenue is ostensibly pegged until you kind of hit that hit that hard cap that we've got in place at the moment. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't know. Do you know much more about it? I haven't, can't pr- pretend I've been following yeah. the fiscal policy of it I've, over recent years. No, I've never been uh, particularly close to it. I mean, it does sound like, I mean, you know, we are, what, the richest state. We've got this big surplus budget. Like it does seem like, you know, do we really need it? But it just seems like also. Well, but also, I think I think that that is the only interesting point here for me is like, do we really need it? I mean, yes, in some ways we do, but are we going to fucking do anything with it? Yeah, is more the question. Exactly. Like we, yeah. we we've got endless budget surpluses year on year that just sit in Treasury's coffers, going nowhere. Yeah. Um, gathering dust while all around the state, you know, the the social compact, the public infrastructure is collapsing. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. It should be easier here than it is just about anywhere else in the world, right, to actually yeah. look after people um, and yeah. to, yeah. And, yeah, as you pointed out last week, you know, there's still no aircon in Roburn Prison this yeah. week as WA soars to be the hottest place in the world, yeah. for example. Yeah. I'm sure there are many others you could furnish just from your neck of the woods and the reporting you do for NADA, yeah. for example. Yeah, I mean, um, certainly health, housing, education, yeah. all of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know, I mean, it's, uh, at a state level, I struggle to see what WA Labor is going to take to the next election themselves beyond Metronet, mm. arguably, you know, a new public transport system. But at the moment, unless they get a wriggle on, all that consists of is a whole bunch of major commuter lines shut down for 12 to 18 months. Um and shit tons of new concrete being poured in the suburbs. But aside from that, it's really hard to see what they've delivered. You know, as you say, the core, the core portfolios, health, housing, education, etc. Like it's not a, you know, a proud record of investment or reform mm. that one can really point to. I wouldn't have thought. Mm. You sent me something by Paul Kelly this morning in the Australian. I must admit, I haven't uh, had a chance to look at it closely yet. But he was talking mm. about the importance of uh, WA for the federal election. Well, the, the, the Oz have basically dug out a couple of economists from Tasmania who said that the GST deal as it currently stands where WA gets a minimum of 70 cents in the dollar, which on the face of it doesn't sound like much, but relative to the productive capacity we have compared to the rest of the country, it is quite elevated, will cost the Commonwealth $50 billion over uh, fuck knows how long, rel- you know, in contrast to what it would be if that, that ceiling was removed and WA's share would fall to, I don't know, 10 cents in the dollar, 30 cents in the dollar, whatever, who cares? Um, I think, I mean, I couldn't care less about the GST. Um, I don't know about you. As I say, it's not as though we spend the money we do have already and the big infrastructure projects are basically just fucking public transport or, you know, not public transport, roads in most cases, more roads through native bushland. Um, but I do think the kind of the political stash that's shaping up where federal labour is wedged quite squarely between you know the West, which is to say, which is to say, state Labor over here, who are running for re-election at the same time that Albo will be um, this time next year, and then the rest of the country, who you know, cheerled by the Australian, are starting to kind of try and um, murmur about whether WA is really delivering what it says it is. Because I mean, the tagline for the past few years, certainly led by McGowan, was that WA, as I think you've said, is the engine room 
of the national economy, and that's true. Um, but I mean, most of those revenues arguably stay within this state insofar as they're extracted at all. Whereas, you know, most of them probably are not. I saw some reference the other day to Norway having a 78% marginal tax rate on mm-hmm. um, on its oil producers or going into their, you know, futures fund, which pays for the free university education, et cetera, et cetera. We certainly can't, can't claim the same thing here. Um, but I think the West is really setting itself up for, you know, for a big election season for over the next 12 months and mapping out some of the kind of the key the key battlegrounds and the the solid ground that the libs led by Basil Zemplis the prodigal son will probably be kind of be campaigning hard on I noted in the paper this morning they had Libby Messam kind of quoted extensively in their editorial demanding that the GST stay as it is and mm. insisting that a I can't even remember what she said about what a liberal government under her would do but presumably you know fucking keep all of it or something I don't know put up a new fence um but yeah i think the politics of this is quite interesting the sort of the media politics and the media environment is especially interesting because at the same time as the west is effectively kind of going head to head with the australian over this key election issue they're also launching a new uh publication a new sort of a new offering to the east coast which i think you possibly know a little bit more about than i do but um it's it's pretty interesting to sort of to see that they're doubling down on you know, fairly traditional media, mm. despite Channel 7 losing money hand over fist over the past few years. So it suggests mm. there's more going on than the pure economics of it, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, there was a piece in Crikey last week about the strategic reasons uh, that um, that the whole enterprise has kept afloat of Seven West rather than any kind of uh, business reasons. But um, mm. yeah, the, it's, it's very weird to me. They're starting a new publication, an online newspaper, called The Nightly, a nightly newspaper. I mean, firstly, I don't know what the fuck they mean by an online nightly newspaper. Like, is that a PDF? Yeah. Is that a new a email newsletter? Like, what What are we actually talking yeah, about? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it sounds like a fucking substack, really. Yeah. And I don't know, Anthony DeSigley, the editor's kind of words about how free time now is in the evenings is... Is that true? Is that do you feel? I mean, maybe well, that's the you. thing that that's the thing that is getting me about this because it's already you know I've already got to read the fucking West once a day. Now I'm going to have to read it in the evenings as well. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Well, I mean, I'm already doing that. I'm already <laughs> fucking on Twitter at ten o'clock every evening, finding out what the front page <laughs> yeah, tomorrow true, looks true, like. True, true, true. And so now you're going to be able to get the more the front page of the nightly in the morning. And the front page yeah. of the West in the evening, you'll be oh. busy all day. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all the whole world's gone topsy turvy. I noted also they've got fucking disgraced editor of the Australian, or former editor of the Australian, Christopher Dore, signed up as like star columnist yeah. or whatever. I mean, post cancellation, the, Austra- the comeback. Yeah, the, the, which is unusual. The Oz usually keeps all its former editors in house as opinion columnists for kind of uh, you know indefinite. Years to come, um, door obviously has kind of has dropped off. Has dropped off their list. Um, I don't know who else do they have. Like it was a bunch of News Corp, right? It was. Yeah. yeah. I mean the thing. I mean the thing yeah, that interests Anthony, me was Anthony, that Anthony DeSegli. Yeah, that um, Anthony's going to be a very very busy man, right? He's going to be editing two or editor in chief of two daily newspapers. I mean, imagine there's probably going to be a fair bit of crossover between the two. Um, yeah. Well, and, and the fucking. 17 or 25 or whatever it is, weekly regional papers as well. Mm, yeah. Um, which, the, so for those who don't know, and why would you? The West also has a controlling interest in, you know, editorial oversight over pretty much every local paper in the state as well as the daily 
statewide paper, the West and the biggest commercial television station, Channel 7 as well. Um, so, yeah, busy guy. I mean, he, he's always had a reputation for, for, you know, for never going home. Um, but it seems like, yeah, if you're up all night editing, I don't know, the, the sort of the, the 24-7 news cycle seems to be sort of splitting in two for them. It's, it's an interesting concept. It's kind of very anachronistic. I'm not quite sure who the sort of the target demo is mm. per se. Um, but I mean, it was kind of framed as a competitor for the Australian, right? The, the Australian and the AFR, kind of those. Um, yeah. It's just hard to see. Yeah. Like who's, I mean, you know, the Australian and the AFR are fossilised as it is. So maybe the West is kind of going to bring a bit of its sort of tabloid, um, yeah. you know, mentality to proceedings. Yeah. But I mean, like I'm, the, I'm, I'm sure they're not at all interested in the business side of it, right? It's about extending the influence that they have in Western Australia t- t- nationally um, into federal politics and I imagine it might be worth it just to have like a viral opinion piece every now and then that goes out, you know. I don't know, you know, surely they're not chasing like big numbers yeah, or Yeah, well, I mean, pr- presumably given the kind of the, the, the precedent or the way that they run the West these days, which is to say as, you know, a very, very explicit mouthpiece where kind of, you know, editorialising is front and centre in the paper every single day. The front pages are, you know, very heavily editorialised in a kind of campaigning journalism sort of sense occasionally in support of important causes, more often in support of kind of whatever the sort of the moneyed interest of the day is. Um, I think, yeah, it's it's going to be probably even by kind of East Coast Murdoch standards a fairly like brash and garish addition to the roster. I just find it hard to see kind of how it's going to make its presence felt mm. really if it's just an email. If there's no physical, like the whole thing about the West, the way the West exerts its influence here is, and again, it's it's fucking out of date and old fashioned, but it's because it's a print paper that's you know for which it's a front page every single day in black and white, you know, on on newsprint that it kind of it does derive a lot of its kind of yeah yeah anachronistic influence from that, and I, I don't know quite how that translates as a newcomer into a digital market. You know. So we're we predicting a flop. Do we reckon it'll be around in a year's time? Well, I just presume the overheads are kind of non-existent. They're going to use a lot of the same content. Um, and, you know, I think, what was it? Channel 7's market cap's kind of like 10% of what it was mm-hmm. 10 or 15 years ago when when 7 West kind of first was created. Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't think the money matters. Mm-hmm. Like if, if maybe, I mean, maybe they'll run it till the election and then decide depending on the outcome, they've got what they need time to call it quits. But I, I think the considerations will be political and strategic mm. rather than financial yeah. for for sure. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's all pretty much a, a vanity project. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 Finally, another topic that the West went pretty hard on um, in the last couple of weeks. Have you been enjoying your right to disconnect, Jesse? <laughs> well, I've not had a job for three years. So yeah. I, I, I mean, I kind of... Look, I'll be totally honest. I think it's I'm, – I'm with the West on this one. I, I, don't, I don't understand the need for this legislation. I don't really get where the Greens are coming from on it. I like I, – I understand the politics and who you're kind of appealing to. And, like, yeah, you know, obviously it's nice to switch off. It's a luxury few of us can afford these days. Um, I mean, I, I, do, I do feel like you and I are fundamentally the wrong people to talk about this because, A, we never disconnect. And B, 
we don't know much about conventional employment, so we're <laughs> not the right people, right? Yeah, but, all, but it's just, I mean, I also don't think that any journalist is the right person to talk about this because you, you can't operate in the media on any kind of like, no, I mean, not even nine to five. You just, you, there's no, there's no switching off. Yeah. There's not. If you want to switch off, you have to go, you know, deep into the bush. Yeah. For, some kind of corporate retreat or something without yeah. your phone. Yeah. Like go and go and take mushrooms if you want to switch off. I don't know. It's. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I do think like for me the thing is that I do agree with the West. Initially, they were saying this is ridiculous that bosses aren't going to be able to contact their employers or businesses aren't going to be able to contact each other between time zones. I mean, I don't know how accurate it is that that was actually what was originally proposed, but I mean, I do agree with that. It's the way that it was reframed was as a right to ignore communication outside of mm. hours, which I think is a reasonable thing. I am surprised that that didn't exist. I've certainly always ignored my bosses out of hours. So, um, Yeah, I mean, I, I spent half my life not answering calls. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, one of the front pages that the West had last week was about the Catholic education system, um, how it's now in the EBA for Catholic education is that teachers don't have to reply to emails after 430 I mean, I never worked right. in the Catholic system, but I worked in both the public and the private system. And certainly I was never, you know, replying to emails on call. So I think a lot of this is already happening and a lot of this is in a lot of EBAs already. Um, well, as, as, as someone who spent a couple of years recently working for the Catholic Church, um, working seven days a week, getting paid for three, and then I discovered on Thursday not even getting paid for three <laughs> in full, um, nice little sort of un- unannounced savings scheme they've had whereby I'm, I'm, I'm now up for a fair bit of remuneration for um for oh, god knows what being being kind of under awarded during my employment i i can kind of say that even my last experience of work which was you know at an advocacy center in perth during the pandemic trying to kind of deal with the homelessness crisis it was impossible to do that in three days i would tend to work six or seven days a week and i think you just kind of you know you, you make it up around the edges i don't know it's it's a foreign concept to me personally i understand the premise i obviously have a lifestyle um, whereby, you know, I don't have a mortgage, I don't have kids, I don't have any kind of responsibilities that would require me to kind of devote myself to anything other than whatever I chose to. And, and you're not working day. like nine to five in some kind of corporate environment, right, as well. So I feel <laughs> yeah. like they're the people who would benefit from this. For sure, for sure. The tremendous amount of privilege involved in saying, oh, I'm always connected, but I can choose to ignore anyone I want to at any time. I mean, that just means you, you don't have a job, you don't have any responsibilities. <laughs> Your income is sourced from a series of shadowy, you know, shadowy sources that I'd prefer not to go into live on air. You've disconnected. I mean, you've taken your right to disconnect in a more fundamental, yeah, uh, I'm, in I'm, a more I'm, fundamental I'm, sense. Exactly. You've unplugged from the machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. quite. Um, on that note, anything else we need to cover off? I reckon this week? that might be us for this week. Hey, I reckon that yeah, might be us for right, this week. All right. Get myself into any more hot water with the ATI. Probably best to um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We might have to trim some of that day. a little bit. Uh, yeah. Nothing to see here. We're certainly not making any money from this enterprise yet. But if uh, people want to help us do that, they can. There's a yeah. Patreon page, yeah. and they can subscribe. And uh, we'll hopefully build this and develop it. Get in touch if you uh, have any feedback or whatever. Curious to hear. And uh, we'll see everyone in a week's time. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. All right. Stay cool out there.